0: a patron of entertainment landfill go to patreon.com slash landfill for details entertainment landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you thank you Welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, The Jaystrom, as I just introduced in the intro, and I'm here to talk to you about film, television, and pop culture type stuff. News, essentially. And this is episode four of ETL News, or five if you count episode zero. Don't count that, though, okay? But I am... Here to, of course, give you news. I go through my websites that I like to peruse every morning and uh, see what I like and see what I want to talk about, etc. My dog is driving me crazy. It's so funny. We're in a quiet room. You know, she's like just chilling in the couch or in her bed or something. And all of a sudden I start talking like, hello, everyone, like that. And she's like, oh, hey, what's going on in there? And she runs up to me and wants to jump on me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not talking to you. (laughs) I'm talking to these people, the people that are listening right now. And I hope you guys are listening via podcast or listening live on Mixler.com slash Dim Podcast, where I do the show live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central. So hopefully you can join me live and hang out in the chat room. That would be pretty cool. Or, of course, you can get it via podcast, which is uh, the way we do business here in uh, Entertainment Landfill. We make podcasts, things you can download straight to your device, your phone, You know, when we first started the show, people downloaded to their iPods or their MP3 players. Isn't that funny? Nobody does that anymore. You listen on your phone now. And uh, I've talked about it plenty, but if you guys haven't done it yet, download the uh, Podbean app. It's really cool. And one thing I've discovered about it is that, you know, I've added several podcasts that I've listened to, not just all the time, but casually. Because I can, if there's ever a time there's nothing on the radio in the car, it drives me nuts. I don't know about you, but uh, I'll be driving and I'll realize I've been listening to commercials for like the past 20 minutes. And I'm like, good God, what am I doing? And uh, I'd rather listen to my phone. So I can easily select a podcast and just hit play. And the cool thing is the Podbean app remembers where I left off. So I've like gone on three different uh drives, one to the store, later on for dinner, the next day I, I'm driving my daughter to school or something. It remembers all the places in the same podcast I left off so I can just continue and that's pretty cool, especially for a show like ours like ETL Daily uh where it's long form podcast, you know, we do it 2 to 3 hours hopefully. You know, we got plenty to talk about. This show is a little bit different, though. It's shorter, and it's meant to be shorter. Uh, it's meant to be a way for you guys to uh, keep in touch with Entertainment Landfill and talk about things that I don't get to talk about on the show, especially like every Friday. Uh, like last Friday, my daughter, she's in the school band, they performed at a festival. I went to that, hung out with her all day long. I was exhausted. The last thing I wanted to do was do a show on Friday. Uh, Hopefully this Friday we can do a show. I haven't talked to uh, Bill or Steven yet, but I'd love to record an ETL Daily. We haven't in a while. But I hope you're enjoying ETL news. I hope you're enjoying Trailer React and our instant reactions to movies. I would love to see The Jungle Book while it's on the big screen and and in 3D, I actually enjoy 3D when it's really good, and I've heard that it's good. And uh, I would love to do a uh, instant reaction of The Jungle Book. I just I like just releasing shows. I love I love seeing that uh, we've got content out there, and I hope you guys dig it too. And if you want to support the show, Patreon.com/landfill, where you can become a patron as much as a dollar a month. It helps the show out, and you gain access to things that you would normally, as a regular listener, such as our patron-only shows, which I'm going to start doing more. I'm even thinking of doing a monthly patron-only show called The j Show. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? It's going to be just very... It's going to be like a weird personal type of show. I don't know if you guys like it, but I'm thinking about it. The the Jaystrom Show is a, uh, is a working title. <laughs> so I'm hoping you guys dig that. Now let's dive into some news. And uh, this I just read before I started, uh, before I began uh, the stream. And it was, Microsoft is stopping production of the Xbox 360. Uh, which uh, is, you know, it's not too surprising, but we knew it had to happen eventually. But it is kind of like, wow, the 360 has been around for so long, you guys. Uh, Let's check this out. A decade later, Microsoft has finally ceased production of the Xbox 360. The company announced the news in a blog post from Xbox chief Phil Spencer today. Xbox 360 means a lot to everyone in Microsoft. And while we've had an amazing run, the realities of manufacturing a product over a decade old are starting to creep up on us. Which is why we have made the decision to stop manufacturing new Xbox 360 consoles. We will continue to sell existing inventory of Xbox 360 consoles with availability varying by country. Wow. First released in 2005, the 360 went on to become a massive success, selling more than 80 million units. Just think about that. 80 million units. 2005. That's the year we started this show. We started Nowhere in Mulberry, which eventually became Entertainment Landfill in 2005. I remember when Bill got the Xbox and he talked about it on the show And he was trying to explain to us how Xbox Live worked. And I was like, you can just download games like there? That sounds cool. Boy, My mind could not grasp what was to become the norm, which is digital purchases and downloading games right to your hard drive. But, uh, wow. Uh, You know, I still have the 360. It's still operable. Yes, I did have to send it in when I got the Red Ring of Death. But... It's worked fine after that. And now it's in my daughter's room. She uses it to play Minecraft and Disney Infinity. So it's still breathing, man. It's still working. And that was a purchase from, you know, I got that for my birthday from Bill. I'm going to say 2006 or 7 I'm going to say 2006. So uh, it's, uh, it was pretty amazing the, um, the amount of work. Uh, the longevity that got out of the thing. Uh, Microsoft is reportedly planning to release an updated version of the hardware sometime soon. The company also points out that it will continue to support existing Xbox 360s in terms of hardware and software. Xbox Live servers for this 360 will remain active, for example, so that you can still play uh, games online. Yeah. The, the writing has been on the wall for the 360 for some time. Microsoft introduced backwards compatibility, making it possible to play certain 360 games on the Xbox One. You know, I do have an Xbox One, and I haven't figured out how to play, like, a, a backwards compatible game yet. Uh, I guess I'll eventually do that. Because there's a couple of games, I never finished Grand Theft Auto Five. I kind of would rather play it, it the next gen. Uh, but Also, I never finished Arkham City, which I'd love to play that backwards compatible on the Xbox One. So there you go. Thank you, Xbox 360, for uh, serving us all this time. Uh, It's quite amazing. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was this big hoo-ha about the AMC Theaters guy uh, saying that they're thinking of allowing texting uh, in theaters because, you know, that's the way the kids are these days. They never put down their goddamn cell phones and, uh, Hey, why not use it in, uh, theaters? Well, of course, everyone was like, dude, that's a horrible idea. I will never come to your theater if people are allowed to text during a movie. So then I see this AMC theaters decides against allowing texting during movies, citing an intense backlash uh, yeah, what were you thinking? AMC Theaters has dropped its plans to experiment with allowing cell phones using movies uh, use <laughs> during movies. The company announced today, citing the swift and strident negative feedback that AMC received through social media. Unlike the many AMC ad ad uh, sorry, let me start that over. Unlike the many AMC advancements that you have applauded. <laughs> oh yeah, we. Uplo- Yay! They've done so much great things. We have learned loud and clear that this is a concept our audience does not want. With your advice in hand, there will be no texting allowed in any of the auditoriums at AMC theaters. Not today, not tomorrow, and not in the foreseeable f- future," said Adam Aaron, CEO of AMC Theaters. AMC's About Face comes less than two days after an interview Aaron gave to Variety, during which CinemaCon, an annual trade show for the film industry, he said the company was considering the idea of allowing moviegoers to use their phone in theaters. The plan would have been a part of efforts by AMC to bring more customers, particularly millennials. You guys love that, seeing millennials in anything? Aaron characterized as being attached to their phones. Yes, of course, millennials, they can never put their phones down. They're, uh, they're sad. When you tell a 22-year-old to turn off the phone, don't ruin the movie, they hear, please cut off your left arm above the elbow. You can't tell a 22-year-old to turn off their cell phone. That's not how they live their life, Aaron told Variety. In 2015, the amount of Americans 18 to 34 went to the movies at least once a month dropped for the fourth year in a row. Well, who needs them? We don't need them anymore, okay? Aaron noted that AMC would have implemented its plan carefully to ensure that the potential change doesn't disturb today's audiences. No, we're very disturbed. I don't even go to AMC theaters uh, unless I have to. There's one in the mall here. And I've had to go a couple of times when something's not showing in XD at the Cinemark. They have the, the fake IMAX at the AMC. The idea received vehement opposition from moviegoers on the social media. Vehement. Yeah, I thought I said that right. On, as well as individuals with the theater industry, such as Tim League, CEO and co-founder of Alamo Drafthouse. I just don't believe that this line of experimentation is the right tactic, said League. A firm policy against talking and texting in the cinema is about respect for the filmmakers and fellow cinephiles of all ages. He slammed his fist down after he said that. So yeah, it's a bad idea, and the guy never should have brought it up. What a jackass. I bet he feels stupid. And he should, after all. So our next piece here... Uh, this goes in the Who Cares file. Michael Strahan will join Good Morning America full-time. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knew this, but, um, you know, it used to be Regis and Kathy Lee, and eventually Kathy Lee moved on to the Today Show, and it was Regis and Kelly with Kelly Ripa. Eventually, Kelly Ripa found a way to force Regis into retirement, and then it became Kelly Ripa and Michael Strahan. Well, apparently... Good Morning America, who's owned by Disney, uh, and also Kelly Ripa's show is owned by Disney, uh, wanted him to go to Good Morning America. And Kelly Ripa is really upset, you guys. Michael Strahan, who has co-hosted live with Kelly and Michael since 2012, will join Good Morning America full-time, two years after replacing Regis Philbin on the syndicated show. Strahan began pulling double duty by appearing twice a week on uh, ABC's morning news program. Over the past two years on GMA, Michael's proven to be a tireless and versatile broadcaster, with an incredible ability to connect with people. From veterans and all kinds of newsbakers to a host of modern American culture icons, said ABC News President James Goldson in a statement. Wow, he's really blowing smoke up his ass, isn't he? He is a great modern thinker and leader, and with our brilliant team in front of and behind the camera, he will help us drive forward into a very exciting future. Wouldn't you love to start a job and... They say that about you. Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm like, they're really pumped to have me show up for work, man. So anyway, and then the big news later when, uh, Strahan, you know, he still has to finish out his week on his show. Kelly Ripa took the week off cause she's pretty pissed that nobody told her that this was happening and now she needs a new host. So, uh, poor Kelly Ripa. What will she do, you guys? Have you guys ever watched that show? It's pretty nauseating. Just the slight loud and the the audience are, you know, like sheep to the slaughter to all their dumb jokes and stuff. It's pretty sad. I thought this was interesting news. This is on Comics Alliance. By the way, the last story was on Entertainment Weekly. That's where you can get your vapid news. But uh, this is Comics Alliance reporting... Uh they probably got the story from somewhere else and uh John Favreau returns to Marvel to produce Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. Say that correctly, Jason. John Favreau is purportedly returning to direct a sequel to the Jungle Book, the live action CGI reimagining of Disney's classic animated film. Yeah, you guys didn't know that, did you? Which took the top spot at the box office over the weekend. But that's not the only project that has Favreau sticking around. Yeah, you're not going to pull yourself from the Disney teat, are you? Would you guys? The director has revealed that he'll be returning to Marvel to serve it as an executive producer on Avengers Infinity War. Speaking with Digital Spy, aha, there's the true uh, credit to the story. The Iron Man and Iron Man 2 director said that he's wanted to work on something new with Marvel for a while, but he had to get out of director jail. No, I added that part. But he just needed to find some time in his busy schedule. I'm going to be executive producing the Avengers film with the Russo brothers, which I'm very excited about. I talk to them about it all the time. I've worked both in front of and behind the camera with Marvel, and I really love what they're doing right now. It's a really exciting time to be over there. I've seen a rough cut of Civil War, and it's fantastic. We're constantly looking for things to do together, and now I'm freed up. Yes, that's right, folks. Favreau will produce the epic two-part Infinity War with Joe and Anthony Russo, also known as the Russo Brothers. I added that part. The directors of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and the forthcoming Civil War, yes, we get it, story, with Favreau producing for Marvel, could see him return to direct another superhero movie, Oh, no, their question is, could we see him direct another superhero movie sometime soon? His response is uncertain. The question is, do I want to do something else in the superhero genre? I've spent a big chunk of my career working on that already. All new titles are coming out now. I'm actually surprised I don't feel that way about the Jungle Book already. But with Iron Man, I'd done two back-to-back. My time was completely monopolized for those years, and I wasn't allowed to explore those things, other things part of the fun of having a successful movie is you get a lot of say on what your next project is. Sometimes you want to leave yourself open for other opportunities instead of another four or five years working on the franchise. See, um, it happened to Favreau is what happened to, uh, Joss Whedon. I don't know if you guys read this, but Joss Whedon was pretty, let me uh, see if I can find that story. But, uh, these Marvel movies direct when you direct them, they exhaust you. And uh, Favreau, it took him a while. He had to do a personal film, Chef, which is great, by the way. And uh, now he finally returned to a big-budget film with The Jungle Book. Um, I don't think he wants to do another Marvel film like direct it. It's a lot of responsibility. And just listen to this story about Joss Whedon, where this dude, two Avengers movies in a row, uh, you know, it did him in. Joss Whedon on his Ultron comments from a year ago, a disservice to the movie, to the studio myself. Um, Yes. After being rather critical during last May's press tour for Disney Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon told his Hulk star, Mark Ruffalo, tonight that the remarks he made against his own movie were quite harsh. The two took the stage... In Manhattan's Chelsea neighborhood, as part of a Tribeca Film Festival talk series. Last May, Whedon was up front with the press about his clashes with Marvel over those scenes he wanted to keep, i.e., Hawkeye visiting his family at the farmhouse and the Avengers dream sequences. In addition, you know what? I like the farmhouse stuff. The dream sequences, yeah, I'm with Marvel. Cut them out. They didn't need them. <laughs> Briefly speaking to Deadline after the sesh, Whedon mentioned that he isn't close-minded about taking on another Marvel project down the road, and he hopes they haven't quit him either. It was just that five years of my life um, on back-to-back Avengers movies, coming away from Ultron, Whedon told Ruffalo, I took a two-week vacation for the first time in 25 years, except for the four-month vacation where I wrote the Buffy musical. I set out to accomplish nothing. Ruffalo said, I begged him to do Avengers 3 and 4, Hulk 3, Thor 3, and Quasimodo, and he said I'll never do it again. I was getting worried about you, but you're back, he said, turning to Whedon. Yeah, I'm back, exclaimed Whedon, who remained rather mum about the next project he is pinning, except for the fact that it is super good in a definite departure, something he credits to taking an exploratory process about his writing. But further expounding on his Ultron mea culpa, Whedon told the packed house at at the SVA, Ultron, I'm very proud of. There were things that did not meet my expectations of myself, and then I was so beaten down by the process, some of that was conflicting with Marvel, which is inevitable, and a lot of that was about my own work, and I was also exhausted, and and we right away went and did publicity. Yeah, so he directed the movie, he was fighting with Marvel about what he wanted, and then they have to go right into the publicity juggernaut. You know, they... Marvel wants Joss Whedon. You know, we don't have to... The Russo brothers, even though I think they're fantastic, they did my favorite Marvel film. Uh, If you don't care, about Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel film. Um those guys don't have to be front and center like a Joss Whedon name does. They want him out there doing publicity, also. I would almost say no. Like, guys, I'm exhausted. You've got Robert Downey Jr. out there talking about the movie. You don't need me. But we know that those films take their toll. Already, I've, you know, we've heard about the Russo brothers. They've done two Captain America films now. They're about to start the Infinity War. Those guys, luckily, they're brothers. There's two of them handling the weight. They might have to get brothers to do all superhero films, you know. The Cohen brothers, the. um... Whatever happened to the Hughes brothers? Get the Hughes brothers in there. Um, get the Wachowskis. But seriously, those movies are pretty exhausting. People don't realize. And, you know, I would love to have that job, by the way. <laughs> And it doesn't sound like they're complaining; they're just being realistic, dude. I was exhausted. All right, now let's get into some PlayStation news. Okay. Um, All right. Report upgraded PlayStation 4 codename Neo. It includes upgraded GPU and processor. Giant Bomb reports that Sony is not only planning an updated version of the PlayStation 4 in anticipation of both 4K video content and its upcoming PlayStation VR platform, but that hardware specifications have been locked down in advance of an unknown release window. Austin Walker reports that according to multiple sources, the new console, codenamed Neo, likely an allusion to the PlayStation VR's working code name Morpheus will feature graphics hardware whose specifications are approximately 2.25 Two five times more powerful than the AMD system on a chip inside the current PS4, as well as a 500 megahertz increase to the system's CPU clock speed and a 42 gigabytes increase in memory bandwidth. According to Walker, developers have been informed of a requirement to ship titles from this October onward with base mode specifications compatible with the existing PS4 architecture and a Neo mode for the updated hardware. Games running in the updated mode will have access to the upgraded hardware to deliver greater visual fidelity, though it is unlikely that the titles will be able to use the added horsepower for true 4K in game visuals. Giant Bomb reports that the PS4 and the Neo will coexist, remaining fully cross compatible with regards to software, PSN, and multiplayer communities, as well as the same user interface. Word of an upgraded PS4 console originally spread in March during GDC via a report by Patrick Klepek at Kotaku. According to Klepek, I don't know how to say this dude's name, Sony briefed several developers on their hardware plans with the Neo at GDC, though according to the site, one source told us that the device felt exploratory and that it may not even be released this year. And February, at an Xbox event, Xbox head Phil Spencer suggested that the Xbox One may also see its own hardware upgrades in the future. And I've looked into that. I read that story. The Xbox One seems more uh, unsure of what they want to do than anything. This PS4.5, or Neo, as they say, sounds like the idea... It sounds like yes, it's existed for some time, and they've actually built, you know, a prototype or whatever. This could be announced by E three. You know, four uh, K. It's you know, it was new last year, and it slowly crept into homes. They sell mostly four K TVs now. I mean, I haven't bought a TV in a while. I haven't needed to because once you buy a TV, hopefully, it lasts you like five years or something. But the four K. TVs are on the horizon also Sony come on Blu-ray is their baby and they're going to be pushing uh 4K Blu-rays so of course they want an uh, almost an Xbox they want their PlayStation which plays Blu-rays come on the PS3 when I bought a PS3, I knew it would play Blu-rays. That was my first Blu-ray player. They want a PS4 to be people's first 4K Blu-ray player so I can understand why they want this to happen. My whole thing when I read about it was that I was annoyed that, you know, I got a PS4 and I was super excited that I have the most advanced piece of hardware console for a long time. I honestly want the Xbox One and the PS4 to last me, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to be realistic. I know it's going to not last a decade but before another console comes out, but I'd like it to at least last about six years before I have to worry about another console. I mean, th- these things, they're expensive, and once you have them, you just want to worry about getting good games. And not even really great killer app type of games have come out on him yet. Some great games have come out, but not the kinds... This hasn't... The PS4 and the Xbox One, their lives have just started. Like, we don't even have, like, a huge library yet, and they're talking about upgrading. Yes, I know technology advances and stuff, and they should have known 4K was on the horizon and thought about this better. But, you know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It wasn't cost-effective, etc., but I'm just saying that um, if I were to get a 4K TV and this PlayStation Neo came out, I'd want to be able to trade in my PlayStation at a discount, at least uh, at least a hundred dollars off the price. I would love to for to even be more, 150 off or something. I want to get some kind of. Um, and I don't even know the price point, you know, nobody does, but I i don't want, to, I want it to be painless to switch to the new one, and I like that they're making it compatible, like, you don't even have to buy this, all the games will play on this just fine, but you know what's going to happen, you're going to see uh, footage of this console in action and be like, dude, I want that one. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. So, that's interesting. But uh, after I read this story, I found this one about Shu Yoshida, who's the Sony guy. Uh, It said that uh, Shu Yoshida reportedly unsure if there will even be a PS5. Oddworld creator Lorne Lanning has said that PlayStation boss Shu Yoshida has expressed uncertainty as to whether there will be a PlayStation 5. Lanning made the comments on the Game Informer show where he said he asked a question about the possible future console ahead of an on-stage interview between the two. I said, well, what does this PlayStation 5 look like? And he said, you mean if. I said, are you willing to say that on stage? And he said, yeah, it's an if. While it is extremely doubtful that Yoshida would mean that the PlayStation brand will cease to exist... The seeming existence of the mid-generation PS4 upgrade, apparently codenamed Neo, could point to a planned future of consoles with much shorter spaces between generations. It was really an interesting thing, said Lanning, and he didn't give me a clear answer, but he hinted at needing to be more agile. None of us know what the future really looks like, so how do we adapt faster? To me, that's the way he was thinking. The idea that you're going to be releasing a piece of technology that lasts seven years into the future, I think, is less and less viable. It's not just Sony apparently planning for a less delineated console future. Only yesterday, rumors emerged about an X-top pro- Xbox prototype tested with upgraded co- components. Yeah, I talked about that story. So, basically, it's too early for them to plan, like an, a PlayStation 5 or even an Xbox 2 or whatever. It's... I think it's kind of dumb to even ask him about a PlayStation 5. Why aren't you asking about the PlayStation Neo? You know, hey, tell me about the PlayStation Neo. He would have an answer there, but why are you asking about PlayStation 5? Okay, and we have another story. This one is a Star Wars Force Awakens related. Come on, guys, can't we move on? They're already filming Episode 8, but no... J.J. Abrams, someone stuck a microphone in his face again and asked him a question about The Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams says Harrison Ford's injury allowed him to rework Finn and Rey relationship. Now, this story I'm reading on comic book resources. It turns out the magic of Star Wars The Force Awakens wasn't always present, according to director J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I'm sure he worded it like that. Dumbass. The Helmer has opened up about shooting the first scenes with John Boyega and Daisy Ridley on the Millennium Falcon and how it initially didn't work at all. Though Abrams says Harrison Ford's injury, when a piece of the Millennium Falcon fell on his leg, it was the door, was a scary day. Here reveals that in hindsight it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it allowed him to rewrite the Finn and Rey dynamic. When I was on set of the Millennium Falcon and we started to do work with Ray and Finn, the first time we did it, it didn't work at all, Abrams said at the Tribeca Film Festival. It was much more contentious. I didn't direct it right. It was set up all wrong, and when Harrison Ford got injured, which was a very scary day, yeah, second time we've been told that, we ended up having a few weeks off, and it was during that time that I really got to look at what we had done and rewrite quite a bit of that relationship. So when we came back to work, we actually just reshot from the ground up those scenes. It was an amazing helpful way to get these two characters to where they needed to be. Wow. So it was good that Harrison Ford almost lost his leg. <laughs> I'm kidding. Whatever. This is a story. I clicked on it, you know. So very informative. Now I say all the time I tease like, oh my god, is this a good story? Is this uh An amazing story. This is an exciting story, you guys. I'm super excited because The Hollywood Reporter has Three's Company movie in the works with He's Just Not That Into You writers. (laughs) Yeah! I know you're excited. Robert Court will produce the big screen take on the classic sitcom. New Line wants you to come and knock on its door uh geez the studio is in no- negotiations to pick up the rights to the classic television series three's company and its tapping scribes abby Kahn and mark silverstein the duo behind his 2009 hit he's just not that into you to pen the screenplay robert court the veteran producer whose credits include tom cruise's cocktail and julia robert's runaway bride is attached to produce Three's Company was a top 10 show that aired from 1977 to 84 and centered on... Yeah, we know what it's about. Do I have to read what it's about? All right, let's go ahead and read. It centered on the friendship forged between two (laughs) two single women living in Santa Monica who took in a man as a roommate. This in an age when such cohabitation was not the social norm. To keep the arrangement kosher with the landlords, the trio concocted a story saying that the man had no ill intentions toward the women because he was gay. A comedy of errors with plenty of innuendo ensued week after week for eight seasons. I love Three's Company. I watched it, of course, in syndication for years. I I probably watched it when it was live, too. You know, or not live, but primetime. Uh, but I definitely watched it in reruns, and as a kid, I I got a kick out of the sexual innuendo. It always sounded like people were having sex in the other room, but they were really like trying to fit a pan into an oven or something like that. And I thought it was hilarious. But they're they're going to do a movie of it, guys. So uh, get ready to groan when you see that. Who knows who they'll get to uh, play the characters, but. I certainly am excited. But uh, we can't leave the Hollywood Reporter yet, guys, because the Justice League adds Willem Dafoe to the cast. Let's see how annoying this article is. Here we go. He'll go from Marvel villain to DC good guy. Also, the details of his new character are being kept under lock and key. Well, why would they tell you who he was going to play? Willem Dafoe is joining the good guys in the Justice League. The movie began production last week with Zack Snyder fresh off a worldwide tour promoting Batman v Superman in the director's chair. Yeah, I bet people are excited about that. <laughs> Batman and Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Cyborg are the superpowered characters who must team, ba- team up to combat a threat beyond each member's capabilities. Warner Brothers is playing it coy about whether the villain is classic. Or bad guy, or is classic DC bad guy Darkseid, who is hinted at in BVS? That's Batman versus Superman. Chris Terrio wrote the screenplay for Justice League, which will be released in two parts by Warner Brothers. Justice League Part One will hit theaters November seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, while Part Two is slated to be released June fourteenth, two thousand nineteen. Wow. Let's see, is Zack Snyder getting exhausted with these movies? He's done two comic book movies in a row. Now he's doing the third. I can't wait to hear him saying, oh, I had to take a break. I'm doing a personal film now. Defoe, who starred as the villainous Marvel character Green Goblin in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, is playing a good guy in a role that will see him appear in both parts of the Justice League movies. Details of his character, however, are being kept under lock and key. They already said that at the beginning of the story. Why do they repeat themselves? I don't know, but... Are you guys excited about that? I hope so. Okay, our final story of the show, and I saved the best for last, guys. And uh, I hope you guys are as excited as I am. Saved by the Bell themed restaurant opening in Chicago this June. Uh, This is on Entertainment Weekly, which has lots of hard-hitting news Finally, a place where you can get a bad taste of the college years out of your mouth with a series of meals, (laughs) like AC Sliders, inspired by Saved by the Bell. Who wrote this story? Uh, They need to be run out of town. Joey Nolfi. Though former cast member Tiffany Thiessen dashed hopes for a Saved by the Bell reboot earlier this year. Saved by the Max, the pop-up diner previously announced in February, were officially open in Chicago's Wicker Park neighborhood on June 1st. Comedian and magician Ed Alonzo, who had a recurring role on the NBC comedy, shared the news in a video posted Tuesday to the restaurant's YouTube channel. The eatery will be modeled after the popular Bayside High Hangout, The Max, which frequently appeared on Saved by the Bell throughout its five-season run from 89 to 93. We needed a place that would allow fans to feel as if they've been transported back to Bayside and are fully immersed in the universe of the show. The final look of this space is going to be a dream come true and deliver the Grand Slam nostalgic experience everyone has been waiting for. Derek Berry, who played the mastermind behind the restaurant, told CBS Chicago... Saved by the Max will be re- located at 1941 West North Avenue in Chicago and will r- remain open for one month. Reservation tickets are available beginning April 22nd. Wow, one month, huh? I guess they don't want to have to run it until it goes out of business. You just do it for a month. It's a pop-up, right? I like in the comment someone said, Dustin Diamond's job application has already been denied. <laughs> That was a good one. So uh, when I said I was going to talk about this story on Facebook, um, Adam Sexton, he said, dude, you got to play Zack Attack, Friends Forever, which, you know, if you watched the show Saved by the Bell, which I did, I'll admit it, it came on Saturdays back then. Um, Come on, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was really hot Uh, and uh, we love this show. Come on. You guys all have to admit it. No, it was a terrible show. It wasn't funny, but it was kind of like I just watched it. I mean, I watched different strokes and facts of life, too, when I was a kid. And, uh, of course, I was much older when (laughs) Saved by the Bell was on. Um, In 89, I was a senior in high school, so if that tells you anything. Um, But here we go. Zach Attack Friends Forever. This is dedicated to Adam Sexted. That it's nostalgia. Oh, we love this. Oh, okay. oh, I love on sitcoms whenever they would form a band, like Brady Munch. all of a sudden they were the Brady Six. Oh man, that was that was awesome. And one more thing I want to mention that uh apparently Anton Fuqua has done a remake to the Magnificent Seven. And I watched the trailer, and of course, it looks—it's got that patented Anton Fuqua look. His films look gorgeous; they all look, you know, that similar way. And it's got Denzel Washington in it because apparently he likes working with him. But it's got Chris Pratt, Vincent D'Onofrio, Ethan Hawke, and some other guys. And you know, as I watched the trailer, I was like, "This—that's gonna be fun," I guess. But it—I have to admit. A little part of me does die every time they do remakes. (laughs) I mean, we have to get over it. It's going to keep on happening, guys. And if they're bad, just go away forever. And that's usually what happens. When these remakes come out, be it uh, Robocop or Total Recall or uh, Straw Dogs. Remember they actually did that. Um, They are forgettable and they just go away. So we'll see what this is like. But, guys, that's my show for today. I hope you enjoyed my news stories. And I hope that you uh, send me some feedback like Adam, Adam from the Bay Area, sent me a voicemail. And I want to play that before we go. I love feedback. Send it to nimpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Just record uh, a voicemail on your phone. Use the record function. Attach it in an email to nimpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'll play it right here in the show. So let's check it out. What does Adam have to say?
1: What's up, Entertainment Landfill? This is Adam from the Bay Area. It has been quite some time since I have dropped a line or a voicemail to the Mulberry Boys. I want to let you guys know that I'm loving the new format, loving all the new shows, loving all the new content. I I really enjoy uh, the trailer reaction to uh, Ghostbusters. I'm really enjoying uh, the Chuck episodes. I'm caught well... I think I'm... I don't even know. It's been a while. Uh, when I was sick, I think in February I, I watched a lot of those. So I'm good and caught up on that. And, um, you know, anticipating more episodes of that. And I would really like to watch hardcore Henry so that I can see, um, I, would, I can listen to the special that you guys did. Um, I like the Batman Superman show. I have not seen that movie, but I really don't have any desire to. So, uh, it was kind of fun to listen to that. I went ahead and just did that. um, just uh I, I can i would say that jason is getting a lot better at um holding his own doing a show on his own um i i think that must be very difficult and in, uh, quite the challenge to do that and pull it off and make it entertaining but sure enough the Jstroms pulling it off so um i do often text jason directly and bill and steven um directly but i want to you know i just wanted to say hello to all of the um the Mulberry fans, the ETL fans. And, uh, I hope that everyone is uh, enjoying all of the new content as much as I am. So just a quick line to say, hello, uh, love all you guys. So happy to be a part of this community still. And, um, yeah. All right. Have a great show guys. See ya.
0: All right, Adam, thank you so much for sending a voicemail. I appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for also what you said about me doing the solo show. I'm trying to get better. Um, just basically talking to myself. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I imagine the audience out there, people are listening and that's what gets me through it. Uh, if I, um, the self-conscious thing left me a long time ago when doing shows, um, that's what, what helps is doing it, uh, hundreds of times, (laughs) but I'm just glad there's people out there who enjoy the show. And, um, if you guys would like to go to Podcast dot blogspot.com had to think about it for a second and that's a blog where i post about every show you can also find links to um patreon patreon.com slash landfill if you'd like to become a patron donate as little as a dollar uh a month to keep the show going i'm trying to get up to 160 a month get a new digital recorder for the show uh that would be awesome Uh, I'm going to keep putting out patron only content and I mentioned it on the last show that I am creating the ultimate archive patron only archive of all of the shows, everything we've ever done available to all patrons. And it's taken some time. I'm hoping to get that live like launched by June 1st where like, boom, it's there for everybody. Uh, If you'd like to become a patron and get access to that patron only archive That's how to do it. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. That was ETL News, and I'll see you next time. Casting.